Attention all sports enthusiasts. Are you tired of the same old sports coverage? Do you crave a radio experience that's as passionate about the game as you are? Well, look no further. Introducing Fired Up Sports Radio, where the passion for sports meets the airwaves. At Fired Up Sports Radio, they're not just a radio station. They're a community of fans bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of sports. Their mantra, for the fans, by the fans. That's right, because who understands the heart and soul of the game better than the true fans themselves? Whether it's the thunderous roar of the stadium, the crack of the bat, or the thrill of the last-minute goal, they've got it all covered. Their team of passionate sports enthusiasts is dedicated to delivering the most exciting and insightful sports commentary you'll find anywhere. So, if you're ready to turn up the heat on your sports radio experience, join them at Fired Up Sports Radio with your hosts, Joe, Jeff, and Billy. For the fans, by the fans. That's the Fired Up way. Tune in now at FiredUpSportsNetwork.com. That's FiredUpSportsNetwork.com. Or find them on your favorite radio app, Fired Up Sports Radio, igniting the passion in every fan's heart. your host Billy Dean Shoemate the third here and welcome back to another episode of strange places this podcast is brought to you by asylum 817 productions Spotify and distro kid so let's get into it shall we first of all I want to thank everybody who's been uh, checking this out lately on YouTube it's kind of a new thing I haven't introduced any uh, you know ad space or anything to it yet really like majorly I'm just kind of testing it right now, and YouTube seems to be going pretty well, so I appreciate you guys uh, listening to it, quote, watching it, quote, listening to it, you know, slash, 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 on YouTube. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going well, and I, it, yeah, that's crazy. I'm really happy with how this podcast is going. Kind of funny how this started off as a little experiment, huh? But, let's yeah, let's get into it. We're going to Canada this week. Just off of Canada's eastern coast is a large cove known as Conception Bay. It's it's a <laughs> it's an interesting name, isn't it? Now, Bell Island, a rugged outcrop that is home to around two thousand people. Once this was the center of a booming iron ore mining industry, an undertaking that had nearly twelve thousand employees at its peak. But the mine shut down in the mid sixties, and without jobs, the population dwindled. Today, sorry, I'm adjusting my mic. Most Bell Islanders they take the ferry every morning to you know work jobs on the mainland that's where everybody goes now those who remain are mainly engaged in as you could probably guess tourism the island has a rugged beauty that attracts hikers and sightseers its coastline is dotted with ship uh, shipwrecks you know that bring in the more adventurous <laughs> for diving expeditions and stuff like that when does our story take place well when are we traveling this week 1978 a decade after the mining boom but before the tourists started making regular day trips across the channel. Life wasn't easy back then, but the island still had a lot going for it. It was peaceful. It was safe. It was home to really close-knit communities from what I could see, a place where family values and traditions still kind of mattered. One of those traditions was Sunday night dinner when families would sit down together over a meal. For many, it was the highlight of their entire week. 
There's something to be said about island people. When you catch a cold, it's everybody's cold. Everybody knew each other, but everybody looked out for each other too. They might not have got along all the time, but island people know how to pull together when they need to. April 2nd, 1978 started like any other Sunday. Families attended church and then returned to their homes. Kids went off to play with strict instructions to be at the table in time for lunch. Mothers got to work preparing the noon noontime repast, I guess you could say. Then just around midday, the peace of Bell Island was shattered by a massive blast. A short, incredibly loud concussion that was powerful enough to rattle windows and sent things dancing across tables. It was over in an instant. Most who heard it thought it was a freak clap of lightning louder than they'd ever heard before, but no damage was done. Only, that wasn't entirely true. I should probably expand just a little bit. Various Bell Islanders reported television sets exploding. Electrical motors bursting into flames, fireballs shooting out from ovens. Fireballs shooting out of people's ovens. Over at Lance Cove, on the southeast corner of the island, Jim Bickford was counting the cost of this phenomenon. The lightning bolt, if that's what it was, had struck his chicken coop, exploding it on impact, killing every one of the birds inside. Where the coop had stood, Jim found three holes blown straight into the earth, several feet deep. And this wasn't the only damage that Bickford residents suffered. Inside the main house, the fuses of the electrical mains box were forcibly ejected, whizzing across the room like bullets out of a gun. They buried themselves in the wall opposite. It was a good thing that nobody was standing in their path, for sure. That's crazy. Jim also reported a blue flame, about 18 inches long, that shot across his kitchen table. However... Jim had only witnessed the phenomenon from inside his house. It was actually his 12-year-old son, Darren, who would provide the most graphic account of the boom. Darren was... Whoop, that's my chair squeaking. You hear that? I need a new chair. Darren was outdoors at the time. He was riding his bike across the st- or along the street, rather, heading home. He heard the boom and saw a flash of light. He later described his experience to a TV reporter. He said, and I quote, I was outside riding my pedal bike... I knew one of my favorite shows came on television at 11, so I was pedaling back home. As I approached the end of our driveway, all the birds stopped chirping. All the dogs stopped barking. Everything got still. And then there was the boom. It was like a shotgun blast followed by a ball of light and then followed immediately after the second ball. The ground shook underneath me. It was the biggest noise I've ever heard in my life. Darren Bickford, as you can you know, here, pretty articulate young young man. His description was filled with more detail than I've heard, you know, from adults trying to describe things we've talked about on the show. I wish everybody gave a report like that. Good job, Darren. He described the ball. Oh, yeah, it keeps going. And you'll see what I mean by articulate. He says, and I quote, It was hovering off the ground, this ball, when it appeared out of thin air and beautiful colors of blue made up most of the center of the ball. And outside of the blue, there was an orange and a yellow mixing together. And then just like that, the ball of light disappeared into thin air. I was terrified of what it was, but I was transfixed 12 years old. Okay, just keep that in mind. I was transfixed by it. And no, this isn't one of those things where we need to dice things apart and see if he actually said that. No, this this was aired. (laughs) He actually, wow, smart kid. Transfixed. 
Awesome. You should. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that out with this. I was gonna make a. I was gonna make a joke, but eh. let's not go there. I could dedicate a po- I could dedicate an entire podcast to that. Anyway, he says I was transfixed by it, the ball of light and the colors and the way it swirled around, as if you couldn't help but stare at it, even though I was scared. It was all over in four or five seconds, but those four or five seconds are burned into my brain like a roll of film. Darren wasn't the only one to witness a visual spectacle. Across the bay, a woman reported that she saw a beam of light shooting up, up, into the sky from Bell Island. And the auditory impact carried even further. The Bell Island boom was heard over 60 miles away. Meanwhile, islanders were recalling another weird phenomenon. Just before the boom, they heard a high-pitched whine. And people kind of near the epicenter of this, they heard a ringing in their ears right before it happened. Word of the boom spread everywhere. Soon, Bell Island was ingenuated with visitors, curious onlookers, onlookers, and media, everybody. The ferry did a roaring trade. Television crews were everywhere. A person had only to step outside the door to find a microphone shoved in their face with, you know, quick-fire questions being thrown at them. What'd you see? What'd you hear? What'd you think it was? What, what, what? And then there's the official inquiries. Yeah, I said official. Fire investigator Jim Fowler was sent to the scene and later uh, delivered his findings to the RCMP. He reckoned it was lightning. Bell Island still has massive deposits of iron ore. I want you to know that because this is something that none of the TV crews mentioned. I did quite a bit of research on this thing. Iron ore, very, very large deposit there. So, (laughs) you know... Essentially, it, it, Bell Island is a chunk of freaking metal jutting out into the ocean, which makes this thing a magnet for lightning bolts, if that's what it was. It's kind of funny how, even if it wasn't that, and even if it's far-fetched that it was that, you know, something that obvious, I like how news crews just leave that stuff out. Even, you know, publications now, they just leave that stuff out. Because, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> they make it say, oh, this isn't this isn't sensational. We we can't, you know, mention this part of it. That's why we do our research, right? This wasn't the only theory, though. I mean, I gotta tell you that. Some thought that it was a boom from a supersonic airliner, Concorde. Others believed that the source of the boom was the military. This was, of course, the height of the Cold War, remember? Had the Soviets directed some kind of weapon at the Canadian coast, or was it the Americans, maybe running a test of some kind of new technology? Fuel was added to this particular theory when Bell Island received some visitors. The visitors were U.S. scientists, actually. They were attached to the Los Alamos Scientific Laboratory, a nuclear research facility, and every time that anybody running a show like this, especially me, hears the words, Los Alamos, my ears perk up, boy. It's a nuclear research facility. At least that's what's official. John Warren. He was a plasma physicist. Robert Fryman was a weapons design engineer. And you're probably thinking the same thing I was when I heard this. Why are they sending those people there? These were hardly the kind of experts you send in to investigate something natural, right? And why the veil of secrecy? Why did Warren and Fryman bypass official diplomatic channels? There's no record of them showing up. But they did. The truth is that the Bell Island boom was not an isolated incident, actually. 
In December of 1977, a similar phenomenon had been reported in South Carolina and had been heard as far away as fucking New Jersey. There were several more events over the next three months. I mean, by then, concerns had reached all the way to the White House, as you can imagine. Jimmy Carter, he asked the Office of Science and Technology and the Defense Department to look into it. They reported back that it was caused by supersonic planes bouncing sonic booms off of the upper atmosphere, not Concorde, but military. To those in the know. I mean, but was, isn't that something that Jimmy Carter would know anyway? You know what I mean? Isn't that something that he would that would be general knowledge to him? Anyway, just saying. To those in the know, to those who'd experienced the boom firsthand, this explanation sounds contrived, to say the least. I just got to tell you, this thing reeks. And I never say this on the show. <laughs> I never say this on the show, but this thing smells like a cover-up. Among the disbelievers were the content curators at Discovery Channel, actually. In 2010, the Discovery Channel flighted a documentary on the incident and brought in Professor Carl Stefan of the Texas State University to offer his theory. Normally, I don't do this, but this is really something. According to Stefan, the boom was caused by a super lightning bolt. You remember that as kids? Come in, honey, you don't want to get hit by super lightning. He went on to explain that these are extremely rare. Oh, you don't say. When they do happen, it's usually out at sea, hardly ever over a landmass. The difference between super lightning and what we normally experience is simple. Lightning usually carries a negative charge, but in super lightning, the charge is positive. When it strikes the earth, the current is so massive that standard electrical wire cannot contain it. This is what caused some of the phenomena experienced by the Bell Islanders from exploding TV sets, fuses fired across the room like bullets. He said, you know, this is extremely rare, but it happens. Sorry about the super lightning joke. I just, <laughs> I had to. It, it is. It, it, it's a legitimate phenomenon. It's extremely rare. So you say to yourself, you know, mystery solved, right? Well, I don't think so. I have a problem with this explanation. It does not explain the blue orb seen by Darren Bickford. That sounds more like ball lightning. It's a really different phenomenon entirely. You could ded dedicate an episode two on its own. Even Carl Stefan had to admit it. it he, even, he even said this out of his own mouth. It may be something that science doesn't know about yet. Well, you just said that it was super lightning. And if you read the report, he said that pretty, in, pretty uh, definitively. He straight up said... He didn't use the word may. He didn't this or that. He did throw a couple of mays in there. But by the end, he was making some definite statements. You got to read it. It's really interesting. He said, this is super lightning. But then he tells the television crews on Bell Island, this may be something we don't know about yet. Well, what the hell is it, Stefan? You know what I mean? Something just, it doesn't, it leaves a weird taste in my mouth. All of it. That leaves the actual cause of the Bell Island boom open-ended. Was it a form of lightning yet to be categorized by science? Was it the sonic boom of a military aircraft? Was it a doomsday weapon in testing? Did somebody fire something at us? Was it, as some have suggested, the displacement of air caused by a UFO in flight? Because aliens. We gotta put them in there somewhere. The truth remains elusive. One thing we do know is that there was no obvious attempt, obvious attempt, okay? I stress that word. There was no obvious attempt at a cover-up. 
The secretive nature of the visit by scientists John Warren and Robert Fryman has been vastly overplayed by conspiracy theorists to the point that this became a real bitch to research. It wasn't secretive at all. I gotta tell you, it wasn't. I think there are still some things that smell like cover-up, but this doesn't. I mean, just listen. Warren and Fryman, okay, they were tracking these sonic booms up the East, East, East Coast since 1977. This was a current thing that they were working on. They were interested in what they, you know, they were curious about Bell Island. They wanted to go, and they were already, you know, studying sonic booms. They spoke openly about their project. They, they weren't secretive about it. And its findings, I mean, giving interviews to media outlets, even to the ire of the people that they were working for. The government, you know, <laughs> did not want them to do TV interviews. They didn't see the harm in it. They weren't doing anything secretive. Pretty interesting. They, their, their theory favored a, a natural explanation, actually, for the boom. It runs into the same problem that Carl Stefan said. What about the damn orb? It seems that nobody is explaining this. The orb remains a source of bewilderment for Darren Bickford, a 12-year-old riding his bike along a quiet suburban street. Darren had been awed by what he saw hovering in the sky that day. As an adult, he still has that sense of wonder. He says, and I quote, Years later, I would still like to know, what was the ball of light that I saw? If it was lightning, how did it remain stationary and motionless in the air? How did it appear out of thin air and then disappear like nothing? Those things are not supposed to happen, but they do happen because I saw it happen. So is this more of a question of what caused the Bell Island boom or what is ball lightning? This is a tricky one because we don't know if it was ball lightning. You know what I mean? We have no idea how ball lightning works. I mean, I got to look up something. Let's do some research while we're sitting here. Uh, I want to see what the current status of ball lightning is. Uh, it once again, it appeared and was documented by a storm observing team in Guangxi, China in 2012. During, wow, despite the number of occurrences, photo and video evidence of ball lightning is extremely rare. Lab attempts to recreate and explain ball lightning have not been entirely successful, but they do have some promising, hmm. So are they getting closer to proving this is a thing? I swear, I mean, really, if you go back to even a decade ago and read any book, like strange occurrences or this or that or weird weather phenomena, and you read about ball lightning, they're going to tell you it's complete pseudoscience. That's interesting. I want to see where the current, what the current consensus is, you know, on ball lightning. Uh, lab experiments are all over the place. Plasma fireballs and microwave experiments, not that kind of microwave. <laughs> It's still, it's still up in the air. There's no at present widely accepted explanation for ball lightning, just hypotheses absolutely everywhere. But that's the thing though, is ball lightning something that's ex that is accepted? I don't care if it's been solved. Where are those pictures from China? Hmm. I do see pictures from China. Okay. Ball lightning. That's an interesting photo. 
It's kind of weird, kind of blurry, but you know, <laughs> what isn't on this show <laughs> that we have to deal with? <laughs> it looks like a soap bubble made out of light. I mean, it's it's got the same, uh, have you ever seen a soap bubble and the light caught it just right and you see, you know, the colory bits in there, you know, because of the soap? Mm, 2007. Researchers at the Federal University of Pembroke, Brazil, Brazil, used electricity to vaporize tiny wafers of silicone. Silicon. This uh, created blue and orange white spheres the size of ping pong balls. Wow. That hovered around for as long as eight seconds and disappeared. Bottom line. Ball lightning has long been a mysterious phenomenon. This is from the Smithsonian, by the way. The explanation of which has eluded scientists for hundreds of years, but thanks to the continued research of scientists like Torchigan, the answer to this puzzle may finally be close at hand. At the very least, ball lightning is now an accepted phenomenon, even though we can't prove it. Boom, there you go. Now, this is the weird part. Even though my chair is so fucking squeaky. It's it's the nicest chair in the world, though. I spend, I would say, 15 hours a day in this damn chair. I needed a really nice chair. And it is a nice chair. It's freaking awesome. It's like, it was one of the most, probably the most expensive chair. Not this, not just desk chair. Most expensive chair I've ever bought in my life. And I've had it for a while and now it's squeaky. I should probably be not lazy and get some WD-40 because it makes my podcasts really, really sound, you know, really, really good professionalism. But uh, ball lightning, even though it's not been proven, it looks like there's a real acceptance of it now in scientific circles. They know it's a thing. That's what I'm seeing here. Yeah, there's other journals that I'm looking at right now. National Geographic, BBC Science. Yeah, they're all saying that it's a thing. They just can't prove it. Okay. It was recorded in nature for the first time. In China, that's a weird photo. And then we have an instance of ball lightning created in a lab by the U.S. Air Force Academy. And they wrote a paper on it and called it ball lightning. Okay, there you go. So, ball lightning is accepted. It can happen in nature. That just blows my mind because all the books that I I read as a kid that had anything to do with ball lightning, this was regarded as just paranormal pseudoscience you know all the books that i read because i was fascinated by ball lightning when i was a kid that used to scare the head seriously i used to be scared of it i would be terrified that if there was a storm outside that you know ball lightning would like because i've heard that you know when i was a kid i read that it would phase through walls and like glass and windows and shit i was terrified that you know ball lightning would come in my house and you know electrocute me while i was in my bed i was terrified of ball lightning I know, usually kids are scared of Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers and, you know, the clown that they saw at the fair. I was scared of ball lightning. Shows you what kind of kid I was. So it's interesting that uh, every book that I read, and I re- reread these books over and over because I, I had such an irrational fear of ball lightning that um, it comforted me when I saw that scientists said this is bullshit. Well, if I ever go back in time and meet little me, I will not tell him this little tidbit of information. <laughs> That it's kind of accepted by the scientific community now. Ball lightning is a thing. It can occur naturally. It looks like it's exceptionally rare. But can it cause what we saw in Bell Island? Is Darren telling the truth? There's no reason to say he's not. The kid is extremely bright, extremely articulate. 
And I don't want to go on firsthand stuff, you know, if we don't have evidence to back it up, but just on the observance of the kid and the look in his eyes as an adult, when you see the interview and he's talking about it, I would say, I would say at the very, very least, let's just say this, let's just argue this at the very least. He believes balls to bones that what he saw was what he saw. I'll just leave it at that. He believes that this is this is his you know this is what he believes happened i'm not saying it did but to him it looks like this is honestly the truth could ball lightning create a release of energy like that i mean dude you had television sets exploding you had a chicken coop just go completely belly up does ball lightning contain that kind of energy ball lightning captured on video you got to be careful with these though I want to see the official ones. I want to see the Chinese ball lightning. I'm not seeing any videos of it. I'm looking this whole time. I've really been looking. Uh, I just, I want to try to link the energy release, you know, of ball lightning to what happened on Bell Island. Um, I, I, and the only way to do that is to see what kind of energy potentially these things release. However, this ball lightning, a burning orb, or silicon emitting the energy absorbed from the lightning in form of heat and light. That doesn't tell me anything. Single lightning can release about one... That's not right. Hold on. A gigajoule of energy? One lightning bolt? Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that checks out. Okay. So what does ball lightning have? Uh, how many gigajoules of energy? How many? What's the abbreviation for that? GJ, I think. I have a friend that's an engineer. <laughs> um, does ball lightning have? Well, a single lightning bolt is about one... Hmm which is a billion joules, by the way. Ball lightning. Anywhere from one to five, so about the same. But have you ever seen lightning? I mean, it's terrifying when it actually strikes something. Anything in its path just says, screw it. But is it enough to do what happened on Bell Island? There's no way to prove that. You know what I mean? I want to look up something else. Because, you know, like what, what we do, we like to save a lot of the research from when we're sitting here, you know, actually recording. Because it, I really like how it gives it some, um, more of a, a natural reaction, you know. I, I like hearing that on podcasts. It, it, I, 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 I dig that kind of thing. Because you hear something, you know, natural, that oh shit moment. That's what I really like. Uh, speculation arose ranging from a failed secret test by the Soviets, EMP weapons... Mm. Wow, this has been on TV a lot. That's wild. Damaged electrical wiring, electrical appliances. The epicenter was the Bickford family farm. Gigantic bluish flame. Hmm. So if we're talking about something, just, uh, just hear me out. And I feel so weird linking ball lightning in this. But it's really the only explanation that we have. Uh, 
Nobody said it was aliens. Nobody said it was an EMP weapon. We can't prove any of that. The only phenomenon that even is remotely close is ball lightning. So we need to focus on that. All the other things, I got to tell you straight up, can't prove. There's no government memos out there. No Freedom of Information Act stuff. There's nothing that's been uncovered about the Bell Island incident. Nothing that's been uncovered about Russia testing a super weapon. No jets. Concord. None of that was flying over the area at the time. As a matter of fact, you have two members of the U.S. fucking government who stopped by studying these phenomenon already, went to Bell Island and said, we have no idea what this is. Probably something natural. So any evidence of a cover-up as much as I smelled one? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Jimmy Carter or you know, who was the president? Who would I say? <laughs> maybe he just didn't like dealing with that kind of stuff. Maybe he just didn't read his memos. Yeah. But um, there's no evidence of any of that. So what are we left with? I think the most plausible thing to say is probably ball lightning. It's kind of funny. Because ball lightning was viewed as paranormal. And what's funny is that paper, I mean, it took me a while to <laughs> really look it up. You know what I mean? That ball lightning is an accepted thing. But you'll still see plenty of YouTube videos and read plenty of books and the mysterious phenomenon of ball lightning. The paranormal events of blah, 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 blah. Ball lightning. It's still seen as a really paranormal, unusual, unknown thing. There's, you know, you know what I mean? Like, this wasn't front page news. I didn't know this. Asked a couple people online. They didn't know this. Nobody knew that ball lightning. I didn't know until I was today years old when they're sitting here recording this podcast. I looked it up as we were talking. I, I didn't know ball lightning was accepted by the scientific community. So, I mean, does this episode of Strange Places even need to exist? Because we're not talking about something paranormal anymore. Well, yeah, we're still talking about something deeply, deeply mysterious. We don't know if it was ball lightning that hit Bell Island. If one lightning bolt has a gigajoule of energy and ball lightning is five times that and it hovers, lightning is gone in a second, Right. What if you had something with that kind of energy, that kind of output, and it's just chilling there? That's terrifying. Would that cause the kind of explosions and stuff like that? I'm not an electrical engineer. As I said, I do know one. I should probably ask him. But I guarantee I know what he's going to say. That amount of power would probably blow your house up. <laughs> so flames shooting out of stuff, it was causing electrical interference, you know. What does that tell you? It was something electromagnetic, at the very least. Am I writing off the possibility that this could be some kind of EMP weapon fired by who? I, I'm, let me put it this way. Was it above the Russian government to test something like that over a populated area? No. Was it, oh, oh, was it, is it not past the American government to fire something like that over people's heads? Sorry, but no. Look up some of the shit the CIA's done. We've been their test subjects before and didn't even know it. And they've done it multiple times. So is this one of those things? I'll say it before and I'll say it again. The government is so leaky that if anything nefarious is happening at any level at any point, 
you're, a nugget of it is still going to be out there. I mean, I just, as much as I smelled cover up earlier, I just, I really don't see it here. Instead of just kind of passively bitching at the two guys, you know, that were making television appearances, don't you think the government would just flat out, you know, at any point, either take these guys out, which they're not above doing either, or, you know, shutting these guys up, calling them back to the office or whatever they do. There's no leaked documentation. Since the 70s, we haven't had one snippet. N- nothing. Not even one of those blacked out memos. You know, nothing. The only thing we have to go on is ball lightning. And it's so rare at this point. And lab tests are all over the place to where we can't really prove that either. We're just saying that's the closest thing to it. It's a safe bet to say that what happened on Bell Island is inconclusive. At least for now. Maybe, just maybe, once they start working on ball lightning a little bit more and being able to truly replicate this in, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say, in controlled conditions, maybe we could get a sense of its energy output. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if that's what this was. Because already... Um, you know, I'm halfway through recording the episode, and then I find out, oh, ball lightning is accepted by the scientific community. Sweet. <laughs> Welcome to Strange Places. This was a great episode. <laughs> no, but I'm still glad I made it. I'm still glad I made it because this is deeply mysterious. We're still talking about it, and we have no idea whether it was ball lightning or not. Maybe once they figure it out and we can replicate ball lightning in control conditions, even out there in the wild safely, we'll find out that's exactly what it was. You know what I say? Bring old boy back out there and watch him, you know, let him watch the test. That's how you prove it. I know you're not going to do that, government. I know you're not going to, but that's what I would do. I would take old boy, no matter how many years it's been, you're probably not going to forget something like that. If he lives till then, if you do it in this lifetime, right, figure it out. Test it. Invite him to it. Was that what you saw? Mystery solved. Or still a mystery. We'll find out in about two seconds, right? Uh, If I was in charge. Billy for president 2024. All right, that's all, friends. (laughs) So inconclusive, huh? What do you think about the Bell Island boom? Let me know. Make sure to where are my notes? It crashed. Didn't it do this last week too? Didn't my uh, didn't my notes like go belly up on me last last week, or was that the other podcast? Okay, well I got them back. That's all, friends. Special thanks to this week's sponsors because I have all the outro written down. I don't have all that memorized, you know. I got this last bit like scripted right here, and every time I pull it up, the last like two weeks, something something just goes haywire. So anyway, that's all. <laughs> See, because if I didn't have that script, I'd be like, I'm so awkward. With hellos and goodbyes, even in my normal life, I'm so awkward. So when the show ends, if I don't have anything scripted, I'm going to be like, okay, guys, bye, you know. That's all, friends. Special thanks to this week's sponsors who make the show possible. Make sure to check out the link to our Patreon page in this episode's description, where as little as a dollar a month, you can get everything from bonus episodes, ad-free episodes, giveaways of certain tiers, outtakes, bloopers, podcasts just for the patrons. Who does that? This guy. Special thanks to the patrons, by the way. The Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel. Donald Haynes, Dilligaff, Kristen Belt, I appreciate you guys. Now, are we ever going to run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. 
because every town has a strange place, and maybe one day we'll visit yours. <laughs>